Hello and welcome to our final episode of the Savvy Mama podcast for this first series. My name is Renee Verko. I'm a financial advisor, the founder at Money Mode and this initiative, the Savvy Mama, and I'm a mum to two busy little toddlers. So yes, it's the final episode in this first series of the podcast. It's been an absolute blast bringing you these 12 episodes and your feedback has been amazing. So thank you. But don't despair, I'm already mapping out season two and we'll be back in your ears in no time. So please make sure you've subscribed to the show so that you're in the know or that you're following along on Instagram or Facebook. The Instagram handle is at moneymode underscore and I'll pop those details in the show notes. So back to today's episode, I've invited in Carly Suzik from Select Property Advocates. Carly is what's known as a buyer's agent. So she helps people with the search and purchase process of buying a property in the capacity as their agent. She has a background as a real estate agent, which is really, really important to know. And she has decades of experience under her belt. She's dealt with tons and tons of property purchases and sales here in Melbourne and Victoria. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial commitments that we make. Many of us will also go on to build our wealth by investing and often that may entail incorporating an investment property into our overall wealth building portfolio. Carly certainly knows how to buy a good property, what the key elements are and what make a successful purchase at the right price. And she's here on the podcast today to share all of these tips and insights with us. Thank you, Carly, so much for joining us today on the Savvy Mama podcast. Thank you, Renee. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So I thought we could kick off with if you could just share a little bit about your background, how you've ended up where you are, and then exactly what it is that a property advocate does. So I started out in real estate in property management and have worked across both property management and sales in a traditional real estate role. I'm actually a licensed estate agent. And that sort of rolled on to going into buyer's advocacy. It was sort of a bit of a natural progression because I found that my interest lied in really helping people. And so morphing into the buyer's advocate, do you just want to share with us a little bit about, some people will be familiar with them, but others may not because it's also known as a buyer's agent, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. It's a buyer's advocate or a buyer's agent. And it's a role that is not necessarily new to Australia, but not as popular, I guess, as it is in other countries. And it's something that is, you know, as a buyer's agent or a buyer's advocate, you're actually engaged by the property buyer, be it for investment or their own home, to act on their behalf throughout the buying process. So it really is, you know, having some experience and knowledge on your side, really. Now, you just touched on, you know, you buy properties for homeowners and also investments. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial commitments that we make. Usually carries with it, you know, a big debt. And, you know, it's one of the foundations really for our financial situation. I sort of am a big believer in owning the roof over your head and then sort of looking to grow your wealth in other areas, whether that be through property or shares and investments and your superannuation. But perhaps let's start with buying our home. How do you advise people to do that wisely? And I guess what are the main pillars or the main ingredients that you would say go into successfully buying a home? I mean, it's such a big decision-making process. I find it interesting sometimes how lightly people do take some of their decisions because it is a bit of a foundation. And 
And I think often people think of buying their home to live in not as an investment. Yeah. Um, and it's not an investment as such, one that you put a tenant in and you know you work in that way, whether you positively or negatively gear it. But it is an investment and it's a big investment mm. and it is part of your life and the way you go through it. It might be your first one, it might be the second one, but along the way, you don't necessarily transact in a huge number of times in your life. Yes, Some people yeah. only transact on a house twice in their life. Mm. But yet people take it quite lightly. Um, yeah. And I think it's a lot to do with our culture as well and, you know, the, the white picket fence and that sort of thing and, you know, the, the great Aussie dream. But there are lots of things that can go wrong. And I think we often find that when people come to us, it's often because they're scared or confused about that mm. or they've done it before. They've made a mistake before and they don't want to do it again. Yeah. And it sounds very easy. I'm going to go out and buy a house. It's on the market. I'm going to go out and have a look at it and look at all these different properties. And then I'm going to go to auction and I'm going to put my hand up and I'm going to buy it. And then I'm going to get the keys in 30 or 60 days time. Yeah. It's really not that easy. And it's really important to get it right, whether it be your first or your second. You're probably going to sell that house at some stage in your life, even if it's the last one and it's the downsizer. It's still a part of inheritance or whatever it may be, you need to buy it well. You want to live comfortably in it. You don't want to make a mistake and buy something that wasn't right for you mm, just mm. because it seems cheap. I actually believe that there are no bargains in yeah. property. So, you know, and there is a big difference. There's a difference between buying a property that's cheap and buying a good value proposition. Mm. And that's what we look at when we look at a property. We're not saying, oh, let's go out and buy this. Yes, it hasn't got the right criteria for you. The orientation's not right. It's on a train line. It's on a main road. But it's cheap Mm. Um, because when you go to sell it or when you go to rent it out, even if you decide that, you know, you're going to live in it for a while and then then lease it out, whoever it may be, someone has to have that owner-occupier appeal and actually look at it from that perspective. So I think if you always look at the appeal of the property Mm -hmm. and how – livable it is and any of those aspects that I just talked about you know if that makes it cheap it's going to be cheap when you go to sell it yes and we have many different dips and troughs and everything in the market and um, the cycle that you're going to be buying and selling in you can never obviously predict yeah and sometimes it might even not be necessarily the price that on the other side is affected greatly it might be around how hard it is to sell Mm. um, and how long it takes and things like that and the headache that you go through there. Mm. So I think really researching, trying to understand what a quality property is and basing yourself around that as well, you know, looking at things like obviously location and, and within a suburb there's going to be pockets that are better than others. Looking at schools, what sort of school zones you might want to be in, generally speaking, you know, good school zones, good access to transport or even transport links, as well as any upcoming development. That's sort of some of the things, but really I think you've just got to be really alert to, yeah, making sure that things like, as I said, um, you know, the right orientation is really, really important. What is the orientation that we should be going for in a property? (laughs) Ideally, look, you know, we love a north-facing backyard. You know, you get all your beautiful afternoon sun in. That's not to say that you have to have that. And it depends on the type of property as well. You know, a big block of land with a family home on it that is south-facing in the rear is going to be different to a one-bedroom apartment with just a, a small balcony. Both of those are not ideal, but 
you're going to feel darker and more depressed and dingier, if yep. you like, for yep. want of a better word, yep. in your one-bedroom flat that you can't escape except for your little, your little balcony. It is also about the general quality of a house now. Yeah. Because a lot of people are conscious of that as well yep. uh, in winter and summer. So, you know, if you said to me, I want to buy a block of land or a house, I'd be saying, let's find something with a north-facing rear. That's not excluding anything else, but I would say my last choice would be a south-facing rear. And I guess, you know, extending on from that, buying a family home, we get so vested up in our emotions too. And that, Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you kind of see past that emotional purchase? We really do take that emotional interface out of it. We appreciate people's emotions and it is a very, very emotional process. And I'll say this even when people are buying investment properties. You know, I'll yeah. have clients say to me, there's no emotion in this one, it's just an investment. Mm-hmm. And then I see them at the auction and their hands are shaking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you'd never expect anyone not to have emotions. So we do help to keep that in check. But yeah. I guess um, as far as someone doing it on their own, I think make sure that you set a budget and a budget that is on an informed decision that you do your research. Yeah. And you, when you're going to an auction or you're, negotiating privately in a private sales situation, set yourself a budget and stick to it. Don't let your emotions run away from you. Mm. Very easy at an auction to watch someone think that they're going up a thousand dollars or it's going up in five hundred dollar increments and they're thinking, Oh, it's just another five hundred mm. and all of a sudden it's actually another ten thousand dollars. Yeah. So I think just making sure that you don't stretch yourself because you let the emotions get the better of you. But also just Concerning that you've got everything right as well, as far as making sure you do all your research, you've got all your ducks in a row, you've had your contract checked by a conveyance or a legal representative, yep. you've confirmed your finance pre approval beforehand, you ask the question about whether you can bid at auction because it is unconditional. So yep. I think just getting yourself standing back and going, okay, I've done everything I can, this is my budget, mm. and Always keeping in mind that, yes, I might love this house, but there's going to be another one. It's Mm. not a race to buy property. It's about getting yourself a home, but getting the right one. And often people think about, you know, oh, my lease is running out or I have to move out of my rental or what have you. Um, And I think often they need to sort of stand back and think, yes, that sounds like a pressure situation, Mm. but what is worse is buying the wrong property and getting there and finding it you don't like it. Yeah. Or... uh, it has some structural issues that have yep. perhaps been marked by by the previous. cosmetic. This is the thing that I I find in looking around. I mean, I've always bought renovators' delights, but the thing is, I see you know houses that are presented beautifully that are covering up. I'm in a fortunate position that my partner's a carpenter, so he can kind of see yes. through that. But a lot Absolutely. of people can't, and they get sort of spellbound by a beautiful presentation yeah. and yeah, yeah it amazes absolutely. me it's a very good tact when you're selling but you need to yeah. be able to see through that when you're buying don't you yeah yeah absolutely and and look homes have cracks but you know one of the things that people do before they sell is, is hide any cracks cover up any water damage through leaking ceilings you know all of those sorts of things will likely be fixed up unless they've decided just to leave it as bare bones. So I think it's lovely to go into a house that's been newly renovated and it all looks beautiful, as I said before, but it's got the white picket fence. We've got all these young families, all emotional. They're all yep. going to fight it out at auction. Yes. It's just perfect storm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're paying you know? too much money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
So I'm not saying don't buy a renovated home, but do your research around it. Yes. Um, yep. If it is just freshly renovated, find out. Did they renovate it to live in it? Has it been renovated as a flip? Yep. You know, I think that's really important too because then it'll give you a good idea about the quality of the renovation and whether it's just been renovated to do that or whether they have renovated it to live in and, you know, always asking the question about why it's been sold yeah. um, is a really, really important question mm. um, because, you know, that can often tell fresh paint, you know, you walk in and you smell the fresh paint, you go, oh, wow, it's been freshly painted, how nice. Yeah. But you need to sometimes ask the question why yeah. it's been freshly painted and it mm. might be to disguise things. Yeah. And I, I don't mean to be cynical, yeah. but when I walk into a property, I generally know that it's going to be a good quality property. But I'm looking, I'm looking everywhere. I'm, I'm looking down, I'm looking up. Yep. I'm looking down the side of the house. I get on my knees and look under the, not that I'm a builder, yep. um, because then I would recommend a building inspection, but just, I do, I look everywhere. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking to find salt. I'm not actually looking at the furniture yeah. and the beautiful <laughs> renovation. Yeah. And going, look how beautiful it is. I'm going to come and just, I'm here already. My heart's already here. Yes. I'm looking for reasons that I need to say, yes, I know your heart's here, but let's look into why this has been done. And it might all be above board and legitimate and um, it might be structurally perfect, but it's about flipping it around and, and looking at what might be negative about it. Mm. You can also, you know, when you get caught up in that emotion as well, you can overlook things like, the property's on key intersection of a crossroad and yep. you wouldn't even think, you know, you walk in the gate and you don't even think about it. No. But living there, you've got cars turning the whole time and getting in and out and, you know, it's picking up anything that you, you think will be negative and really looking past, um, I guess, what's all beautiful and pretty and, mm. and lovely mm. um, and coming back to the renovators. Yes, delight, yeah, I was going to ask you that, about that. Yeah, look, we love to be able to add value. Yeah, you know, I mean, going in and buying the newly renovated flip, I sort of go, well, why don't you do that do yourself? yourself? Yeah, that's where and, I get excited. And pop your own stamp on it. Yep. Do what you want, exactly what you want. Mm. Um, and take note of what someone's done and think, yeah, I love that, but I would do this and that and all of that. Some people aren't up for renovation, mm. but I think often people, when they go out to buy a house, they go out and they go, oh, there's the quote range. Yep. I'll be able to buy it in that quote range. And, you know, we have people come to us and say, I've been to 10 auctions and I've never got to put my hand up mm. because they're looking in the wrong space and yep. they don't understand the way it's quoted. Yep. So I think that's a really important thing is doing some research around how the property is quoted and then what it sells for and getting a feel of the pattern and yep. how that works yep. because that's a big blocker for people. And then they get really depressed and think, oh, and then they go, well, that one's in my price range or... I'm just going to grab the next one. My lease is running out. I'm ready to move. I'm sick of this rental property. And they grab the next thing. Mm. And that's quite dangerous because it could be for any reason. Well, it's so costly to buy and sell a property when you put into factor stamp duty and things like that. So it is, you know, it's not a decision you make lightly. And, you know, I often say to people it's a lot more costly than breaking a lease. Not that I'm encouraging people to go around and break rental contracts, but re-signing a lease or even the move to a new rental property if you do have to be out, the headache, the emotional stress of being in the wrong property, particularly yep. if it's something to live in and you're not happy there because yep. you wanted to be in walking distance to the kids' school and you're not and you have to get in the car every day. I don't know that's very simple, but all those little things or a compromised floor plan, for instance, 
you know, and sometimes that can be moved. You know, you talk about the renovators' light, sometimes that can be moved, and that yes. depends on how much work people are be prepared to be done. But yep. I think going back to that and, you know, looking at an option and saying, you know, I kept missing out or a private sale, I keep missing out, maybe it's time to change your thinking mm-hmm. and actually turn it around and say, well, maybe I need to be looking at something that perhaps these people that are looking for this beautifully renovated property and are looking past. Yes. Know, something yep. that might have the great bones as far mm. as the floor plan goes and you don't have to do any structural changes. And yes, you have to factor in obviously the renovation as a part of your cost as well. But sometimes it's something that people think, well, I can live in this. I can live yeah. in this for the next three years. And then I'll do my renovation at my own pace. So yeah. um, I think the one thing that I wanted to say too about the emotional thing, I guess, mm. is, you know, panicking and overpaying. Yes. Something, you know, yep. you feel like the market's getting out of reach. And sometimes it does. Sometimes it goes up weekly. I mean, I've seen it happen. 2017, it was just going up in front of your eyes every week. And, you know, going back and getting more money every week is very stressful and draining. But I just think not letting the emotions get getting better of you and getting sick of it mm. so that you buy the wrong thing. The other thing when you're looking for property, and I keep talking about quality property and not quality property, um, rarity and scarcity. Mm-hmm. If you can go out on a Saturday and choose 10 properties to buy, mm-hmm. you're probably looking at the wrong thing. Yeah. If I take that a step further then, if we look at there's housing estates everywhere and Mm -hmm. a lot of properties that, you know, it seems quite attractive to buy a brand new property off the plan where they, and this might be where you were leading with them all looking the same. So what would be your your point of view around that type of style of property? Yeah, look, and without any disrespect to anyone who owns a property in this type of development or who has purchased a property in this type of development, it's not our recommendation. And that's just being brutally honest. Um, you know, and it seems, again, like it's a really good option to buy a house and land package or buy off the plan in an apartment, you know, a big apartment, particularly at the moment, you know, high and medium density growth corridors. All of those areas are areas that I would say, particularly at the moment, yep. avoid in investing in, whether it's a, to live in or an investment. Mm. Also off the plan. I mean, I could talk about that all day. Yeah, I've seen some um, horror yeah. stories around that in my industry, but maybe yes, that's a topic yes. for another time. But I feel another like, topic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's definitely yeah. a space where I haven't seen many good stories where people haven't paid over odds. Um, and when it comes to actually, yeah, paying the final figure, they may have saved on their stamp duty, but end up paying something that's not worth as much as what they Absolutely. thought at the time. No one's saving any money and there's mm. only one person that's making any, unfortunately, mm. and I, I, that sounds terrible to say, but yep. that's the reality of it. But we, as I said, we can talk about that um, down the track, but it does come to one thing about an established home and that's what we, you know, we're very much established because that's our experience has gone, um, yep. you know, through the time and tells us that that's what it is. Um, tried and tested. Rather yep. than, yeah, tried and tested. Yep, absolutely. So I think what I will say about that is the feeling of the home as well. You can't explain, you can't see it online, even if you're thinking about buying something off the plan and you drive past it and you like the street, still not standing in that home mm. and feeling it and seeing where the light comes in, seeing the quality of it. It's about physically seeing and feeling a property that is taken away from you. You can look at all the beautiful displays yep. and you don't always get what you order. Yeah. 
but the rarity and the scarcity is something that they don't build anymore. So are you suggesting looking more heritage style or not necessarily just something that um, has a bit of uniqueness about it? Look, we all love a beautiful heritage or um, period home. They're not in every area though. So I think anything that has stood the test of time, and I'm not saying don't buy new. I'm not saying that every single new build is not great because it's not a blanket rule and um, there are some circumstances where by looking at the right you know, all the right ingredients, that it is that it is a good property um, Yeah, so investment. just but treating very cautiously just, and carefully. Yeah, yeah. So no cookie cutter. As I said before, if you can go out and buy 10 of the same products, when you go to sell it, mm. it's likely that your buyers are going to be able to go out and buy 10 yep. on the same day. So yep. you do actually, as much as you, ha- you don't want to have anyone else bidding against you at an auction or against you in a private sale, often if you compete to buy it, you're going to have people competing when you sell it. Mm. So it is competition is a good thing because it does give you yeah. – and, and the other thing about competition in an auction where it's out in the open and a lot of people get scared of auctions. Mm, but they're we terrifying. Love them. <laughs> um, yeah, we love them because they are the most transparent way yeah. to buy a property as yep. far as, you know, you can see who you're bidding against. You know where the market's pulled up, whereas mm. behind closed doors in a private sales scenario, you know, there's always another buyer whether mm. there is or not. I guess just touching on, would there be any sort of key differences that you would be looking at for someone, whether they were buying an investment or a home to live in? Like, do you have any, you know, sort of, I guess, top criteria that are different in those two purchases or it doesn't really matter? When I say it doesn't really matter, it doesn't because I can look at at a home, one and a half million dollars, that's a, you know, a period home in a good suburb and a good street, all the right ingredients for an A-grade property and I might have an investor client at that level but I also might have a homeowner at that level and for both of them, I'm not going to say, you know, one or the other. Not not that I would ever have two clients competing for the same property because Mm. we don't do that. We only take on, you know, one in each space at a time but I'm talking, you know, in general or I might have an apartment buyer, you know, a young girl or a guy Mm -hmm. who wants to spend $800,000 and buy a blue chip apartment and they want to live in it. They love to be able to just walk down to Chapel Street or wherever it may be that they're, they're going to go and they want to live in it. So you'll have a mix. For an A-grade property, when investors are in the market, you'll generally have a mix of home buyers and investors yep, yep. Um, because we want the ingredients to be something for an investment. We still want them to have an owner-occupier appeal mm. because your, your tenant wants to live there. You want to appeal to a good tenant and a good quality tenant. Mm. So you need to have all those ingredients as well. But what I will say about a home to live in and a home to invest in, whilst we like to take the emotion out of it, there is that element of emotion and wanting to live there. And it might be around the school, close to your family, whatever it might be, that is a key ingredient of your search criteria, of your brief. That means that that house is a little bit more desirable than the investor that has no connection in that respect. So I think with a family home, you're probably more likely to hold it longer and that's what we always say, buy the one you want when you can afford it and hold. So the investor, I guess, is probably more cautiousness around market fluctuations Mm. than potentially a home buyer will be. But in the, in the same breath, I think both of them have to be cautious around that sort of thing as well. And yes. 
just a couple of things very quickly, and this is just things that I often find people don't understand, mm. and this is once you've found your home and yep. you're ready to go to auction or buy private, is that just make sure that, as I said before, you've got your ducks in a row, your finance is good, um, you've had your building inspection, you've had the contract checked and any questions covered off by the agent. Yep. But I just, I guess the one thing that I wanted to touch on is buying at auction is unconditional. Mm. Like some people don't understand this. They think that they can get a building inspection after the fact. They yeah. actually can't. So yeah. you need to get it before the fact. Mm-hmm. And if you're offering prior or after an auction, it is unconditional three clear business days prior right? and three clear business days after an auction. Mm-hmm. So you do not have a cooling off period. Mm. So I think it's important because you might see it pass in and think, oh, that passed in. It's actually, I didn't think I could afford that. I'm going to go out and buy it. Just bear that in mind that if you buy it on the Monday, the Tuesday or the Wednesday, you're still under auction conditions. Mm. Same as if you buy before and you want to put in an offering before, you are still under auction conditions, mm. which means that it's unconditional. Also, just don't get caught up in that, oh, well, don't worry, you can cool off. Yes you can cool off if you're buying it out of those conditions. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking in the auction phase because you can't cool off then, but when you're buying it uh, at private sale, you do have a cooling off period and that is three clear business days. Mm -hmm. And yes, you can cool off, but it costs you. So it's typically around $100 or 0.2% of the purchase price, which is more. So to put that in perspective, the 500k purchase is about $1,000. So it's going to cost you money. So if you find you're in a pressure situation on a Saturday, you haven't had a chance to check everything, someone else has put in an offer, the agent or telling you someone else has put in an offer or they're pushing you, try and buy yourself some time to get all everything checked on the Monday. Yeah. If it isn't a circumstance that you have to act, and sometimes it is, and you know that's where we help often to work out when, whether you do have to act quickly, then pop some conditions in. An unconditional offer is better, but if you need to get things checked, do put it in because you don't want to go through the cooling off process anyway. Mm. So they're just a few things around buying an auction and that, that come up a lot where people ask me and say, you know, can I put this in? Can I do this? But it's all around just making sure that you cover yourself off and you don't find yourself in a contract that you thought, um, even before an auction, if you want to negotiate that you pay less deposit or you want to talk about when the deposit's paid, you know, if you want to pay a small deposit on the Saturday and then transfer the balance in the bank on a Monday, just get it ticked off by the agent. Mm, mm. If they're asking for 30 days and you want 60, ask for it. Mm. If you want to put a clause in for access because you are going to rent it out and it's vacant and you want to do a few opens or a few inspections, ask for it before. So get it signed off and get it in writing from the agent that they approve those clause or they approve the, um, the bidding on 60 days but they're only going to call out 30 or they approve a 5% deposit or a bit paid this day and then a bit paid the next day, get it all in writing even if it's an SMS and then you're good to go. And just lastly, is it true that you should never tell an agent what your budget is? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> don't ever, <laughs> don't tell them how much you are in love with the property. Never tell them how much you've got because they will absolutely use it. They'll often be very clear at working out where you're at yep. if they're watching you miss it, but miss it option regularly. Yep. Yeah. Um, but never ever tell them what your max is. Good advice. Thanks, Carly, for sharing their wonderful tips and yeah, really appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us. Um, Pleasure. Now you operate in Melbourne and Victoria Regional and people can find you at selectpropertyadvocates.com.au and we'll put those details in the show notes. 
Thank you once again for joining us on the podcast and, and sharing your information. And yeah, there's a few points there that we can definitely have further conversations about and look forward to it. Thank you so much and thank you for having me, Renee. Thank you so much for listening in to today's podcast and for joining along for this first series of the Savvy Mama podcast. We will be back with you very soon for a second series. So please, as I mentioned at the start, make sure you've subscribed so that you're the first to know when it drops and that you are following along on our social media. All the links will be in the show notes. We can't wait to be back with you really soon. In the meantime, take care, everyone. And thanks again for supporting our podcast. Bye.